Heights First Baptist Church for Sunday, January 14th, 2024. The 10th chapter. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life worthy of reiteration. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. And you know I've been using this for the radio as well. And as I was preparing it this past week, it came out a little differently than what you had received last week. I just want to highlight the captions that I believe God gave to me. So if we're reading, please, from Proverbs 12, verse 25, a good word makes the heart glad. That speaks to spiritual encouragement. We did talk about the import of encouraging one another, affirming one another in Christ, testifying before the world and one another the value of Christ and his love for us. Spiritual encouragement is what should be coming forth from our lips and from our lives. Encouragement can also entail its flip side, which is either exhortation on the one rebuke on the other. I'm not looking at John Price for any particular reason. (laughs) From Proverbs 13, 17, a faithful ambassador is healthy. From Proverbs 14, 5, a faithful witness will not lie. This speaks to on whether it is our faithful application or the trustworthy nature of our lives. It speaks to a spiritual health We're living in a very pathologically unhealthy society. The stuff that we're allowing into our heads and into our homes and through our cell phones and laptops and all of that. God has called his people to be spiritually healthy. And the sad reality is that there are very few churches today that are spiritually healthy. We want to make 2024, we want to make it our goal before God that we increase in our level of spiritual healthiness. The world needs this, as do we. And then please, from uh, uh, Proverbs 14, verse 3, The lips of the wise shall preserve them. We are called to be spiritual preservatives. I believe I did accentuate the biblical illustration from no less than Christ, that you and I are the salt of the earth, and if salt has lost its saltiness, what good is it but to be stopped under our feet and trampled upon by men? Up until the days of modern refrigeration, salt was a preservative. Now, it is today an enhancement, isn't it? I was just with Dennis, we were, got together to discuss his ordination, was it yesterday morning? We went shot down the Schuylkill to the Penrose Diner, and we both had steak and eggs. And I don't know if you did, but I know what I did and probably shouldn't have done. But then again, we rethink these things. Yes, Bonnie, it's pathetic, isn't it? I salted my steak, I salted my potato, I salted my egg. It enhanced the flavor. Although there is new thinking that salt is actually healthy, but that's another issue. I'm a preacher, not a 
doctor. We're called to be spiritual preservatives. And if we are, we will be spiritual enhancements to the world in which we live. And then please, from uh, Proverbs, the 14th chapter, the 25th verse, a true witness delivers or delivereth souls. We are called to be a people who embody spiritual deliverance. We have an asset that no one else on this planet has. It defies and I take nothing away from. I praise God for all of it. I am the beneficiary of modern medicine. The advances that have been made in the world of cardiac medicine have been astounding. And I grew up immersed in a cardiological pathology known as the, the, the Hill, my Welsh family. And I saw what they couldn't do 50 years ago, 40 years ago, and now experience what they can do in 2024. I'm on the receiving end of modern medicine, so I'm not decrying it. I'm simply saying that what we know and have in Christ defies and transcends even that. If there's need for uh, deliverance to our bodies, there is need for deliverance to our souls. And as Christians, we are called to be the embodiments of spiritual deliverance. You know, I frequent a, a restaurant, uh, Little Pete's, off the Ben Franklin Parkway. It has taken the place of the South Street Diner, now defunct for me. And there's a waitress, and I have to be honest with you, she, she disappeared for a while. What happened? Drugs is what happened. Great waitress, wonderful lady. But drugs got the best of her. Thankfully, they rehired her. I met her about three weeks ago. I had run Karen Smith to the airport. She was heading to Africa. I had this. Now, Joanne, Kim, and Debbie, do you ever get this urge for like a grilled cheese sandwich with a cup of soup? Well, I did that night. So I'm coming back from the airport. I ran into Little Pete's for a grilled cheese sandwich, french fries, a cup of soup, and they did hit the spot. And there was my lovely waitress again. She was back. I was so pleased. Well, I was there the other night. She was still there. But she was high as a kite. She hasn't learned anything yet. Now, that's not an easy lesson to learn. The body is habituated. I want to have every respect for that. But I'm fearful she's going to lose her job again. I always make it a point to offer to pray with her, to put more of the Word of God in her hands. There's another lady there, 72 years of age, having to work full-time, a waitressing job. That's, she shouldn't have to be doing that at 72, but she does. And she just told me, and I knew she had been ill, she just told me that she, the doctors told her with the treatments, she has no more than three years to live. And she's not taking the treatments because they'll entail too much travail. She doesn't have a long way to go. Every time I'm there, I take her hand and I pray with her. I put more of the word of God in her hands. And I assure her that I'll have people praying for her. We are a spiritual, an embodiment and a source of spiritual deliverance. That lady needs to know Christ. The gal on the drugs needs to know Christ. Let alone the innocuous pair sitting next to me the other night. They need to know Christ as well. Whether you're innocuous or a pathological mess, 
you need to know Christ. Amen. You know, in the evangelical world, we've often accentuated, uh, you know, the ministry to the poor. You know what my father said to me once? My father was a criminal trial attorney. You know what he said to me once? Bradley, don't forget, even the rich need the gospel as well. <laughs> we sometimes forget that because of the way Jesus cast the rich, that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus wasn't deriding rich people. He was simply recognizing the fact that with our wealth, we, we have extra cushions that hide us from the, the spiritual reality of our depravity. Even the rich. You know, I knew a lady once, and I know I've spoken of her before. I didn't know her well. She was a very attractive black lady. And I met her down the street at the Houston Foundation. And she was very artsy, the way she dressed. And, the, and, and she had a ministry to the artistic community on South Broad Street amidst the Avenue of the Arts. She said in that one meeting, that group is often forgotten by evangelical witness. My job is to go in and be a witness for Christ to reach them. They too need, for all of their artsiness, they too need deliverance. Okay? So moving forward, moving forward, I want to read to you please from, uh, uh, not Psalm, but Proverbs chapter 15, verse 2. The tongue of the wise uses or useth knowledge aright. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright in a right way. In a helpful, constructive way. Christians, we are called to be a people of spiritual practicality. We're not to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. That, that's a pitfall of evangelicalism if we're not careful. He's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Have you ever met anybody like that? I have. Or in another way, with the best of intentions, we'll say to people, we'll be speaking to a, a common audience, and we'll be telling them about sanctification, justification. They don't have a clue what we're talking about. They don't have a clue what we're talking about. And we, we go our very blind, deaf way. And we walk away and we put a notch on our belt, we just shared Jesus with that guy. No, we share theological concepts with that guy. They don't know what we're talking about. The mouth of the righteous will speak the truth in a way that is helpful. Now, we can quibble over what that means. The great, I shouldn't say the great, he proved to be like the rest of us, unduly flawed. But Bill Hybels of, of Willow Creek Community Church outside of Chicago built up the seeker-sensitive movement. And I think Heibels was a sincere guy. And he would use the language of the market to reach people for Christ. He would get into trouble for that. I think unjustly so. He says, I know what righteousness and glorification and imputation all. I know all those words. I know what they mean. But the people I'm reaching don't. I'm using language they understand. Amen. Where I almost got into trouble was that he kept inviting women to his hotel room in his underwear to give them massages. That's where he got into trouble. But he was right on the money when it came to how to reach people. Spiritual practicality. Uh, well, you know, the old saying, and I had to learn this one the hard way, I think, myself. You know, when they used to tell me, you know, from speaking, 
You need a short discernment. <laughs> Not short, but clarify. Or I, 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 I had to learn how to speak in a way that could properly communicate the gospel. So someone once said to me, and this is nothing original to him, many of you have heard, a sermon has to have handles. That is, it has to have something you can grab hold of and work with. Otherwise, it's a lecture. And I'm not deriding lectures, I love them. But I used to go to a church on Sunday nights 35 years ago down in the city. Great church, renowned, famous church, dry as doornails and, 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 and dust clouds, but, but sincere and, and productive. But the guy on Sunday nights, it was more a lecture. It was more an academic lecture than it was the, the preached word of God. Now, to his credit and to my advantage, the last, you know of whom I'm speaking, the last 15 minutes of the sermon he would address as, now I, I quote, applications. So we got like 30 minutes of lecture, and then we would get 10 minutes of application. I think, and I won't mind a question one of the giants, right? But I think what would have been better, five to 10 minutes, if necessary, of, of foundational lecture, and then the preponderance, the applications. Word of God has to have use. It has to be shown to have meaning and value. So we speak of spiritual practicality. Proverbs chapter 15, and now the fourth verse. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. You know, I watch a lot of British television, and a long time ago, they embraced uh, the, the, the transgressions of human sexuality that have now become normative. I say it with respect. People struggle with these things. We're talking an outright blatant endorsement. I saw that trend as of some 15 years ago. But there's a series out, and if you want to turn to Channel 12 tonight on, at 9 o'clock, All Creatures, Great and Small, a marvelous series. They're in season 4. Tonight is episode 2 of season 4. And even one of the leading British thespians who's been immersed in British TV and, and film for 30 years now, comes from a leading family, he said what drew him to the series, it's, it's a veterinarian crew in the Midlands of England during the Second World War. And what this one actor said, and he's been in lots of stuff, full game, he said what attracted me to the series was that it offered something we need to it has a wholesomeness to it. In a jaded, debauched world, the citizens of that jaded, debauched world need a wholesome witness from us. A kind of spiritual clarity. <coughs> Not the confusion is permeating and making the rounds, but a clarity. That, to my mind, is hand in hand with wholesomeness. What makes something wholesome? It's pure. That's what makes it wholesome. It's beautiful. It's clear, rather than clouded. It's not ob... Bear with me, folks. It's not obfuscated. 
knock it off. Come on. You've heard it from me before. Kim, talk to her, please. You've, you've grown up so much in this instrument. She has it. If anybody says, off you, skating, I will thrash you to within an inch of your hands. Off you, skate. All right. Spiritual clarity. But then I just spoke earlier in the uh, casting context for the Lord's table in chapter 15, verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. We're speaking a dis dispersal, a dispersal, a sharing, a spreading. We're speaking now of spiritual enlargement. Can I tell you something? This is not meant boastfully of us. It is, it is to be boastful of the Lord who's created. Most of the, the little, I've always been in little churches. I, I don't want to be in big ones. I've been in church for all sides. I've never been drawn to the mega church. I'm not knocking it, although I do go up to Times Square Church, which is big. That's, that's the feel of a small church. But I feel called to the, to the small, to the loving little fellowships of this world. All right? But in most of them, of which have been a part, they've been very narrow. Very narrow horizons. Tunnel vision. It's not to knock them. I think it's kind of a natural proclivity. We tend to move with the advent of sin. Sin is an inversion, spiritual inversion. We're inverted upon ourselves. Before we fell from grace, our gaze was continuously and perpetually and eternally upon the Father, who is, according to the theologians, I use the theological word now, immense. You know, I get these videos on the, on the Facebook reel of raging ocean storms. They scare me like there's no tomorrow. I don't know why I get them. To see oceans raging. I, it petrifies me. It makes me, it just looking at the thing makes me nervous. And I have set my favorite spot in the, in the world is my bench in South Yarmouth on Cape Cod, looking out to the ocean, the immensity of a more placid affair. It's beautiful to me. The, the, the immensity of the ocean. You and I were meant to gaze upon the immensity of our God who loves us. And as Christians, we are meant to grow. Our lives are meant to be enlarged, in the very least, in our horizons. You see beyond your nose if you're a Christian. You see the spiritual need or the spiritual grace of another. All right? So this lovely little fellowship, I just want to tell you how God's been at work here. We take the gospel beyond these walls. Forgive me, I'm just I'm going to put it this way. It's not meant to be derisive. It's just a comparative. But I'm still hearing of churches, you know, doing cookie sales. I have no problem with cookie sales. We've done. I love cookies. White chocolate chip, macadamia nut. And I can't say no. I have nothing against cookie sales. Please, bake sales are all fine. But in too many places, on too many occasions, they are substitutes, not supplements, substitutes to, to the issuance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I just learned of a church that is shut down as of Christmas Eve. 
The last I knew of that church, they were doing cookie sales. I didn't hear them doing anything else. But from, the, from beyond, from within, going forth beyond, this church is taking the word of God in so many places and in so many ways. God honors that. God has created that. God has done that. And God honors that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, in fact, we got into trouble once. Ed, you know, how many here love Ed and Eva? Yeah. How many love Ed and Eva? Okay. I saw a couple of hands not go up, but we won't say that. Do you know, they got me into such trouble one time. I mean, they put me in such a pickle. I, I, I don't know how they, they, they could live with themselves. 20 years ago, we received a gift. Big gift. And we have it built into our constitution that unless monies are designated, we tie for monies. So the collections get tied. Sometimes if we could be a couple of months behind, sometimes we're right on the money. Occasionally we're going to have it. And so we shoot, to, we, that's what we shoot for. So we'll tithe the money. And we apportioned, the, it was like 20 grand. That we would tie. I mean, that's the money that we could use for the tie. So, two hundred grand. So, what what we could do? I mean, where we going to be? We were going to spend one hundred eighty thousand on our our stuff. That's pretty good money. Twenty grand goes beyond us. I don't see the problem to this day. Oh, did we get into trouble? And one of the uh, uh, recipients of that money, it was timely. Ed and Eva were going back to Africa for three weeks. And when they came back, we learned about how God used them so powerfully. How they, unbeknownst to them when they left, they were desperately needed by people to whom, uh, uh, by people who looked to them and trusted them and sought out their aid. I mean, the whole mission camp. Things were going awry. My, how Ed and Eva were used. Thank God that money came just when it did. Thank God it was built into the Constitution that we tied it. But the flack I took for that. Yes. Shame on you both. <laughs> to which they just said to me 20 years ago, Brad, spiritual enlargement now. <laughs> We're called to expand our borders for the gospel. Amen. Carol got me into trouble too, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> I'll never forget that Easter Sunday but another story, another time we, we can reminisce on our own I'll tell you, the gospel can be dangerous if you, if you abide by it but that being said alright, so now uh, how about Proverbs 16 and I love this one 26 the words of the pure are pleasant words the words of the pure. This is my, really my, my last one for today. The words, now you're smiling, kid. I, come on. Yes. Now she's smiling. I wonder why. Because I'm my last point. That means another hour. <laughs> the, the words of the pure are pleasant words. I think this speaks to spiritual refreshment. Uh, in, in, in the uh, 
book of Acts, the third chapter, the Spirit of God has just arrived. I mean, he, he, he made his presence known, all right? He, he came in with a splash. And it says that was in chapter 2. It says in chapter 3, there's a prayer. I believe it was Peter. And he's praying that the, the maybe my language, but my, my, my translation, that the winds, the refreshing winds of the Holy Spirit, that they would be at work. I know for myself, refreshment is so important. I, I'm, I'm always a believer in man mentally. Who is it, right? But I also deal with clinical pathologies as well. Not just the stresses of life, but I got stuff going on in here that nearly institutionalized me. I still have to deal with it. So when I can be mentally refreshed, or to just be able to sit down with a Coca-Cola and, 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 and some grapes, and either watch a film or read a book in, in, in the privacy of my, my beautiful new bedroom, before my 55-inch smart screen, flat screen LED, propped up by my mechanized, narcissistically depraved bed, I'm refreshed. Or if I'm in the presence of God amongst his people, I'm refreshed. Or if I can take a lovely walk along the Charles River in Boston or Kelly Drive in Philly, I'm refreshed. Refreshment comes to us physically, it comes to us psychologically, it comes to us, yeah, okay. <laughs> and guys, there's a reason, Carl, Jim, there's a reason why I asked you to sit with this man, you can have him leave now, okay? <laughs> earn your pay, our, our bouncers, earn your pay. Spiritual refreshment, you are to be embodiments of spiritual refreshment by which others of God's people are refreshed in Christ, by which others around you are refreshed by Christ. Your job is not to be a dark cloud, an obfuscating pillar. She, she can't stop. She can't stop. Shannon, stop. <laughs> Jerome, don't talk to her the rest of the day, all right? We are called to be oases of refreshment in Christ for other people. Amen. When we say from the, the signature foundational verse of these messages, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. It is a beautiful, therapeutic, redemptive, immense well of refreshment and deliverance and healthiness. No, but we're the only healthy people left in this world, by the way. And I didn't say we're as healthy as we should be. But we have Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world. Amen. With that, I close. With that, I offer prayer. With that, Brother Dennis has a song for us.